a few years ago, I had the joy and privilege of hosting five pastors from the nation of Brazil. And it was their first time to America. And at the end of their time, I asked them, what was your main impression or takeaway or thing that really uh, struck you about being in America? And one of them said, you know, it's so organized. Another person said, it's very prosperous. But then one person said, I think we can all agree on one thing that is the most outstanding trait that really rises to the top of all the rest of them. What stands out about America is freedom, freedom. I said, what do you mean? They said, it's everywhere. There's just the, the, the idea that you're free. There's no walls, there's opportunity, there's freedom. It's just an amazing thing. It's in the atmosphere everywhere in America. And it really stirred my heart, actually. I had, had not really heard an outsider describe our nation that way. And it is true. And on this Independence Weekend, we celebrate the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. And we hold them very dear. You know, just help, help me fill in the blanks here. Uh, we're celebrating the Declaration of Independence, July 4th. Um, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You got it, all right? How about Patrick Henry, the patriot, said, give me liberty or give me death. The motto of the state of New Hampshire was live free or die. Live free or die. In New York City, we have the Statue of Liberty, right. Also in New York City, when they rebuilt the destroyed World Trade Center, what was built at the very top of one World Tra Trade Center, one World Center? It was the Freedom Tower, right. And our national anthem, Wrigley Field, we were singing the national anthem. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So we celebrate the freedoms we have as Americans and as imperfect as a nation as we are, we, we still are pursuing that, that liberty and that justice for all people. But we pause on Independence Day weekend to remember, reflect, and enjoy the freedom that we have as Americans. Uh, the awesome Ruth, Steve, and I also want to celebrate this weekend and, uh, at an ice cream social. So we want to invite you out on Monday night, July 5th, for some delicious uh, Cold Stone ice cream. It's all free from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Valley Community Center. We would really love to have you join us and celebrate this Independence Day weekend. So today, I want to talk about freedom. Uh, and the passage we're going to look at, at in the book of Acts uh, that we will look at today is one of the most important declarations of the Christian faith. And it's all about freedom. It is. It's an even deeper though, an even more profound freedom than we celebrate on Independence Day weekend. It's the freedom that we experience through Jesus Christ. And today I want to talk to you about experiencing true freedom. And I hope that you will take this very much to heart. I hope that today is an encouragement. It might be an incredibly eye-opening weekend for you as you listen to this message. And I pray that whether you cross that line of faith for the very first time today, as many of you I hope will do, or you just reflect and rejoice in the freedom you have in Jesus Christ. Either way, it will be a high point for you. All right, 
let's go back to the book of Acts. And we're chapter 13 now. We're making our way through. And we pick up in chapter 13, verse 13. And I'm just going to start reading here. It says, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John, that's John Mark, left them and went back to Jerusalem. Uh, Verse 14, they continued their journey from Perga and reached Pisidian Antioch. All right, so there's a lot of geography there. Note that it says, uh, let's just take this. Uh, let's look at a map here. So there's a map of the, uh, the Mediterranean world, the New Testament world, if you will. Everything starts here in Jerusalem and Israel. And, um, and eventually, in, that's Acts chapter 1 through 8 is mostly centered there. It kind of spreads out a little bit and goes to Judea and Samaria. And then it ends up uh, in Antioch here, in Church of Antioch. Then we learned just last weekend, they set sail did Paul and Barnabas, along with John Mark, to Cyprus, the island, and then they made their way across the island to Paphos. Then we're just, we just read that they went from Paphos up to Perga, which is on the mainland here now in modern-day Turkey, and then they make their way on a mountain road up to another Antioch. So we got two Antiochs. What's with that? Well, guys, uh, there's a lot of uh, place names that are m- multiplied. I mean, think how many Springfields there are in the United States, all right? So then they make their way up this mountain road, beautiful uh, journey up to Antioch of Pisidia, not the other Antioch, Syrian Antioch. So it's a second Antioch. And John Mark, when he gets to this Perga, he actually deserts them. It says John left them and went back to Jerusalem. Make a mental note of that, uh, John Mark deserting them, because this leaving the team mid-mission will be a topic of very intense discussion between uh, Barnabas and Paul. But that's for another weekend, all right? So let's pick it up. Uh, at uh, the end of verse 14. On the Sabbath day, uh, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So they begin here, as they all, almost always do. They start in the Jewish synagogue. And it says in verse 15, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, you can speak. So, Verse 15, I love it. It says, they read the scriptures, the law and the prophets, and then could you bring a word of encouragement? I want to tell everybody here at Valley Church that this is why you come to church. You come to hear the word of God, and then you come to hear a word of encouragement. Uh, we take the word of God, and then we explain it. We apply it. We, we see how its relevance uh, matters to our everyday life. That's what we're committed here to Valley Church, soaked and saturated in the scriptures and bringing it in an encouraging way to everybody who's here with us. Uh, You know, after 16 months of everything we've been through, nobody came here today saying, you know, what I really like is a word of condemnation. I'd really like to just be pummeled today and just uh, kind of be beat up uh, by by a sermon. No, we come to the word of God and a word of encouragement. That's what we're committed to at Valley Church. Verse 16, Paul stood up after the reading of the scriptures, motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you who fear God. So he's opening up. This isn't just for the people of Israel. It's for everybody who's listening there that day. Anybody who's serious, an explorer, fearing God, interested in God, listen. And it's a moment where it's dramatic because uh, Paul, and he's now going to be Paul, called Paul pretty much all the way through the rest of the book of Acts, moving from Saul to Paul. What's he going to talk about? I mean, this is his moment. 
And this is really the first message recorded in the book of Acts of the Apostle Paul. What's he going to talk about? And, you know, I think if I'm there, I'm telling about, you know, hey, I met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And you're going to tell about this incredible experience of being transformed and being temporarily blind. Or maybe, maybe you tell about the story we saw a few weeks ago of, of uh uh, Saul meeting up with, who was it? Elimus Bar-Jesus, the Jewish false prophet sorcerer guy. And he also ended up blind uh, temporarily. That's a cool story. So, you know, maybe you'd start there. Those are, those are incredible personal stories. That's, that's actually not what Paul does here. Instead, he begins with kind of a panoramic story of God's plan. That's what he does. He wants to step back, kind of like what we do with our Declaration of Independence when that was penned, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary and you step back to take a big picture. That's what Paul does here. And here's what he says in verse 17. Here's the big picture. The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors, made the people prosper during their stay in the land of Egypt. So he chose Abraham to be the beginning of the people of God, led them eventually into Egypt where they prospered. And then Pharaoh made them slaves. And then it says, and led them out with a mighty arm. So then he recalls the incredible exodus and deliverance that, uh, that God brought them as the people of Israel. That's what he shares, this big sovereign plan of God. And if, if, if you're taking notes in your Acts journal or online or wherever you might be uh, doing this, uh, write down the word purpose here. Purpose. Because here we get God's purpose. Here's what I'm about. Here's what God is about. It's his master plan, the grand vision, a people of God and an exodus. And, and then he goes on, verse 18. And, and for about 40 years, he put up with them. He endured them. He patiently endured all the grumblings in the wilderness. Verse 19, and after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. This all took about 450 years. A couple other words I'd write down. One is the word patience. God's incredible patience with his people. And another one is his power, his demonstration of his power to give his people the new freedom and the new opportunities he wants to give to them. But keep going. After this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. But Saul failed miserably, verse 22. And after removing Saul, he raised up David, David as their king, and testified about him. I have found David the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. Right now the word promise, all right? So we've got purpose, patience, power, promise. And this brings us really to our, our first point I want to give to you. God has a plan to bring you freedom. All those things lead up. He's giving the big picture that God has a plan to bring to his people freedom. Freedom, And he says, David is going to be a man of promise. And one of his descendants, we learn, is going to be the one who fulfills that plan. You know, guys, we have so many problems in our world. There's disease, there's poverty, racism, hunger, politics, injustices. And those are all very important 
issues and problems, and we need to address them. But really, in reality, they are all a symptom of a larger problem. God's plan is to deal with that larger problem. He gets to the heart of it. He gets to the soul of it. And that problem, the Bible calls sin. It's a broken relationship with God, with our creator. Because of our own rebellion and choices, we have the separation now. We don't have the close relationship with God that he intended. And it's caused this enormous amount of problems in our world. And from this central problem of sin comes all the other brokenness, tragedies, injustices, fallenness that we experience in our everyday lives and in our culture. So on this day in Pisidian Antioch, Paul is answering the question, what's wrong? What's the problem here? What's wrong with this culture? What what needs to change? And then he says at the beginning, God has a plan to bring freedom from the most fundamental and this very foundational challenge that we have in our personal lives and the reason for all the issues that we see in our culture. Um, Guys, uh, this past week we heard this terrible tragedy of a collapse of this apartment building in Miami, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and we're still praying for all the rescue efforts. We're praying for the families who've suffered tremendous loss. Here's a photo of where uh, the original building was and then the collapse, was just enormous collapse. It happened sudden, very, very suddenly. And there's all sorts of questions. Uh, what caused this? They're trying to get to the root of why this happened. First to address the issues there, but also to say, let's not have this happening. They're trying to get to the foundation and in the scripture, what we learn here is that, that, that what causes the collapse, there's a lot of cleanup, there's a lot of problems, there's, but what caused it all? What, what, can, what can prevent it from ever happening again? There's a problem. It's called sin. And it's everywhere. Guys, I, just go, go to your yard. If you have a yard, okay, go to your yard. And maybe from time to time, like me, you'll have some these bare spots. And you're like, what's with that? What's causing that bare spot? Nothing grows in that spot. Everything dies in those spots. Something's wrong. And then you take a step back to the whole planet. And you know what's really notable about our planet? Everything dies here. And you say, well, that's just the way. No, no, no. That's not the way God created it to be. Our creator wanted us to experience freedom and everlasting life. But everything dies here now. And God wants to get to the heart of the problem to set us free from that problem of sin and death that we all face. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, in another place, the Apostle Paul says, we are under sin, under sin, this whole world. In the ancient world, people sensed that they were under some kind of authority, some kind of power beyond themselves. So they tried really, really hard to overcome, to to please, to appease these powers they felt they were under. And they wanted to be free, and they, they tried everything they could, and it never worked. But they tried. They tried to appease various spirits and gods and goddesses. They tried to change their luck and their fortune through all kinds of little tricks and practices. They were very superstitious. Other religions took a different approach over the years and centuries. I'll just be better. I'll get religious. I'll self-improve. I know I have a problem, but I'll set myself free by doing good works, by following the rules and kind of earning favor with God somehow. 
We try to fix stuff in our culture and in our personal lives, but we find out it's, it's like playing, we can't keep up. We find out it's like playing whack-a-mole. Like so one problem gets solved and you hit it and another one comes up. And we see that in our personal lives and then we see that all around our culture. What's wrong? It's this fundamental thing that God has a plan for and it's our bondage, our slavery to sin. And all the everyday problems we're facing today, guys, they will one day be gone and forgotten. I mean, think of all the problems that have happened in cultures for thousands of years. We don't even remember a lot of them. They're, they're, they're here and gone. Uh, I brought up this, you know, the problem that we're facing today, whatever it might be in our culture, it's like, uh, it's like short term. It's like, okay, uh, and then it'll be gone. And there'll be a, another one, and then it'll be gone. And there'll be another one that crops up, and then it'll be gone. But God wants to deal with a more fundamental and more lasting problem. He has a plan for that, guys. Let's keep moving. The one problem that remains, the Bible's answer to what's wrong with us, what's wrong with our culture. In the biggest, broadest, deepest sense, the answer is your, my relationship with God has been broken by sin. And now we're stuck. We're not free anymore. And, and, and I'm all in favor of these things, but really we, 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 education isn't going to solve that foundational problem. More government, more moral accords, more activism. All these things can be deeply important and are valuable. They just don't fix the deepest problem that human beings face. You don't need a little more vacation. You need to be set free. You don't need a self-help. We need a rescue oper- operation. We don't need short-term fixes. We need deeply enriching freedom. What's wrong with their culture back then? And it's the same thing that's wrong with our culture. What do I need? What do we need? I'm so glad you asked. In a word, we need someone to rescue us, to deliver us, to set us free. We need a savior. You and I need that. That's where Christianity is a completely different answer from anything on social media, anything on your current newsfeed or your favorite blogger or whatever. They go on and on and on, but they don't get to the fundamental need. And that's, we need a savior. Okay, all right, here we go. Let's look at verse 23. From this man's descendants, that's David, as he promised, God brought to Israel the savior, Jesus. Savior has a name, his name is Jesus. Verse 24, before his coming to public attention, John had previously proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Verse 25, now as John was completing his mission, he was the forerunner of Jesus to prepare the way for the Messiah. He said, who do you think I am? They thought he's the answer. I'm not the one. I'm not the answer. I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah. But one is coming after me, and I am not worthy to untie his sandals on his feet. Here's a principle that John the Baptist gave to us. Open your heart to a different way. We have all these ways of solving all these issues, but there's a different way that God has to the deepest issues that we face. As important as all those other issues are, and they are important, but the foundational issue of being set free from the bondage of sin is the fundamental foundational problem the Bible deals with. And the solution is a savior, Jesus. And I wanna just encourage you right now to, would you listen to the voice of John the baptizer who says, 
Repent. Change your mind about this. Think about this. Have a different perspective on this. You see, John's baptism of repentance calls us to do exactly what we need today. And that is to admit, for you and me, our brokenness and our slavery to sin. To get ready to prepare our hearts for a different answer than everybody else is giving us. It's the answer is Jesus. And to turn to God, that's what the word repent means. Now with an open mind, an open heart. Open your heart to a different way of being set free. A hundred years ago, there was a a famous magician who kind of specialized in um, escape uh, artistry. His name was Harry Houdini. Houdini began this international reputation for daring feats of extrication from shackles, ropes, handcuffs. And in a typical act, he was shackled with chains and placed in a box that was locked, roped, and weighted. And the box was submerged from a boat to which, after a while, he returned at freeing himself from being underwater. And then other times, here's a few pictures, in another outdoor exhibition, he allowed himself to be suspended, head down, about 75 feet off the ground, and then freed himself from a straitjacket while thousands watched. He was constricted, he was caught, he wasn't free, he was in a straitjacket. And most of us think, how do I get out of this straitjacket? And our way of breaking free from the issues that we face, our way, is to kind of figure our own way out. To kind of, you know, try to overpower it. What, my friends, is the easiest way to get out of a straitjacket? Have someone else get you out. That's the easiest way. That is it. Have somebody else take me out of the straitjacket. Have someone else set me free. That's a different way that the Bible talks about. One, our way says, I'll set myself free. A different say is, someone else takes off my straitjacket. I'm not going to figure out a way to untie this straitjacket. Nope, I'm not able. I'm not unworthy to untie anything. His sandals. But he can set me free. The one who is coming, the one who has come, his name is Jesus. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, children of Abraham's race, and those among you who fear God. Talking to everybody now. Everybody, including you. It is to us that the word of this salvation has been sent. We're here to hear it. And that's the word, salvation. Not ultimately will our deepest issues be solved through social, economic, political, legal, science, technology, all those things, all as important as they are. Ultimately, we need salvation. What's wrong? Christianity's answer is we need salvation. We need God to the rescue to set us free from the sin that destroys everything that is good and that brings all the brokenness and all the tragedy and all the fallenness we see around us. The rest of the things that we see are all a fruit of the root cause of sin. And God is here to set us free, to get us out of the straitjacket himself. Verse 27, he's going back. He's reminding them what just happened just a few years back. Since the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize him, Jesus, they didn't know who he was, or the sayings of the prophets, they didn't realize how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the Messiah that are read every Sabbath. They have fulfilled their words by condemning him. 
The prophets actually predicted it, and they condemned Jesus. Though they found no grounds for the death sentence, they asked Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the the governor, to have him killed. And when they had carried out all that had been written about Jesus, they took Jesus down from the tree. I love that he uses the word tree. We'll get that to a moment. And put him in a tomb. The cross, of course, is made from a tree. There's a very important passage that, that, that Paul is referring to here um, when he talks about hanging him on a tree, dying, the death sentence, Pilate, all these things. He's referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Let me read it to you. God said in the law of Moses, if anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty, that's what Jesus was found guilty of, although he was innocent, and is executed, okay, and you hang his body on a tree, which they did, it says, you are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but are to bury him that day, which Jesus was, in that tomb. And then he says, for anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. The Apostle Paul picks up that language in another letter in Galatians. And what he says to us, which is so profound, is this. Because of sin, the whole planet's under a curse. And if something doesn't change, we're all going to die under that curse. But Jesus came in and on the cross took the curse of sin upon himself. The penalty for all our sins falling upon Jesus. He took the curse in our place. He took the punishment for our sin in his place. That's what the central message of Christianity is about. And then they put him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb and he was dead. He's under a curse, it appears. But then go on, return to, to, back to uh, our apostle Paul speaking there in Antioch. But God raised him from the dead and he appeared for many days to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are now his witnesses to the people. We're telling everybody. And we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. It's all God's plan for the ages has all come true in the person of Jesus. The good news, which we call the gospel, that was what gospel means, good news. The good news, listen, is not an instruction manual on how you save yourself. The good news is not a how to do-it-yourself project of setting yourself free by doing certain things, obeying rituals, obeying enough laws so you're finally acceptable to God. That is not what the good news is. It's not an instruction manual. The good news is an announcement that God has entered into human history, has entered into our lives. And as a proclamation, God kept his promise. He sent a savior to set us free. And through his taking our curse upon himself, Jesus has set us free if we trust in him. So the message that many of us were taught to believe is, do this, this, and this fully, and you'll be set free. Instead, the Bible says, trust in Jesus fully, and you'll be set free. Verse 33, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. That's why he was brought into history. That's why he was raised from the dead. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I've become your father. The father has raised his son Jesus, his one and only son, back to life. The resurrection, what happened on Easter was a total vindication of the innocence of Jesus 
and was the total payment of sin to set us free from the penalty of sin, which is death. Verse 34, as to his raising from the, him from the dead, never to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I'll give you the holy and sure promises of David, fulfilling all the scriptures. Therefore, he also says in another passage, you will not let your holy one see decay. For David, he's just a guy. He was a great king, but he was just a guy. After serving God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers, and he decayed, just like every other human being and every other hero. But the one God raised up, Jesus, did not decay. He's raised from the dead. He's alive today, and he's reigning in heaven. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The principle is here. Discover the greatest freedom you will ever know through Jesus who died and rose again because he's defeated sin and death. That's the ultimate freedom that he offers to us. Folks, today what we're talking about on this Independence Day weekend is a declaration of the greatest freedom that you can have. It is a journey to the center of the Christian faith. The Christian faith about centers on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only way to life, the only way to freedom. Verse 38, he kind of brings it down. He says, therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, Everybody today, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. You can be forgiven. You can be, the debt can be canceled. You can be absolutely cleansed of all your guilt and shame today. All the past, set free from that. Isn't that the most amazing thing? Isn't that unbelievable? Are you kidding me? Not at all. Verse 39, because everyone who believes is justified. It means declared not guilty in the sight of God. Everyone who believes in Jesus is justified through Jesus from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. You tried to obey, but you failed. Now you can be forgiven freely, not earning it. Simply by trusting in Jesus Christ. Here's the principle. You today can receive the freedom of forgiveness and acceptance this very day. You can come into a relationship with God. You can be set free from all your past. And you can know that you are fully accepted through Jesus Christ today. I remember when I made that discovery of freedom. And it was earth-shaking. It was amazing. I was so set free. And I knew that I was truly loved by God and fully accepted in Him. In spite of all my flaws, in spite of all my sins, he's loved me in Jesus and he set me free. And now over the course of my life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not only set free from the penalty of sin, death, but also from the power of sin gradually over this life. And ultimately, from the very presence of sin when we're in the presence of God. It'll all be gone. So you can receive the freedom of forgiveness and acceptance today. You can be justified, declared, not guilty, by faith alone in Christ alone. And something that is not possible to be done by obeying all the rules, by getting religious, by doing good works, by going to church, by being good enough can be done today. You say it sounds too good to be true. Paul knew that. And in verse 40, he says, so beware that what was said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away, because I am doing a work in your days a work that you will never believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. It seems too good to be true, but it's, it is true. And here's the last principle. Don't miss the freedom God offers you today. Don't miss it. Is it too good to be true? 
You may be saying, that's not for me. That will never work. I have a hard time believing that. I don't deserve it. I've done too many bad things. I've got, I've got, I've got too much of a past. Or I, I don't think, I, 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 I don't know if God would really accept me. He will. I don't know, guys, if you saw um, uh, this past week uh, the, the a tremendous race, the Tour de France. And um, in the Tour de France, there was an accident that happened. A, a woman was holding up a sign that said, hello, grandma and grandpa. And a rider crashed into her sign and it caused this kind of chain reaction. And dozens and dozens of riders ended up on the ground and it halted the entire famous Tour de France. Wow. And there was, a, uh, there, there was uh, all sorts of uh, searches that where is this woman? They tried to find her. Finally. Uh, she turned herself in. Look what happened here, though. Look what happened. Uh, she, she's, she's holding up the sign. She, she knocks these folks over. And, I mean, it was a big deal. She turned herself in, and she has been arrested and detained. And there's an ongoing probe. Now, initially, Tour de France officials said they were going to file a lawsuit. They decided against that. But she is pay, facing charges possible jail time, and officials say up to $35,000 in fines. Wow. She made a horrible mistake. She did something that was not right. It was foolish. And she admits that. But maybe you didn't hear this. Would you believe, would you believe that one of the writers in the race actually said, I know that what she did was wrong, but I don't care how high the fine is, whatever the total amount of the fine is, I will pay it in full myself. One of the injured riders, would you believe that? Well, you shouldn't because it never happened. Because that doesn't happen. There's an old saying, to err is human, to forgive divine. That's the kind of thing that God does. He sees us in all of our sins and, and doing foolish things. And we feel the shame and guilt of it. And we even turn ourselves in. And we think somehow we're going to have to pay the price for it. Somehow we're going to have to do justice. And obviously there's consequences for our sin. And, there, and our justice needs to be served in a human realities. But in our standing before God... In our ultimate sense, eternally, Jesus steps forward on the cross and he says, I will pay the highest price. I will pay all the fines, the penalty for all your sins. And I will set you free. That is the good news today, guys. Back on Easter, when we were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, there was a young man named Cody. And he heard that message of freedom and forgiveness. And he crossed the line of faith himself. And I want you to hear a little bit of his story. Was there, was there kind of a moment that you put your faith fully in Christ? Yeah, so I, I mean, everybody I'm sure can relate to the last um, year, year and a half, just being yeah, definitely. hard. And you know, I, I thought that I was handling it really well for the first while. Did um, it kind of feel as if the walls were kind of closing in on yeah. you? Yep, okay. just a, a number of things. I mean, uh, work, but I, I think everything, the unknown of what was happening with the pandemic. And, yeah. um, and then I think, you know, wanting to be a leader for our family and, and you know, as we have these little girls, making sure that they know who God is and 
I just felt so much, I think, pressure of different things kind of uh, piling up, but not thinking, you know, you got self-doubt and, sure. you know, all of my, you know, failures and just thinking, you know, what can I do and, and not yeah. knowing. And so I think just leaning on, on God and, and kind of fully saying, take the reins. So fully trusting in him. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of, it happened right around Easter where, um, understanding for the first time, you know, the, the magnitude of what, you know, Jesus did dying on the cross and that realization. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, fully finally said, you know, God, I give my life to you. And, um, what, what did that feel like? I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I think I've, you know, so many times I've prayed to God and I've said, you sure. know, thinking that this, and not that it wasn't real, yeah, but yeah. it's just, it was so much For whatever reason, than, this yeah. this was the moment. Yeah. And there was just, just like peace that came oh. over me. And like, I can't even really describe it because it was from being on the other end of basically the opposite of peace is what it <laughs> felt like. So to then, you know, having this peace and, um, and, you know, putting, knowing that God's in control and I God's think, control. think saying, you know, understanding myself, like this isn't just me saying like, all right, Cody, you got to do this. It's more praying to God and saying, you know, please give me the strength to, you know, make it through today. And I, I feel like I've just found a, a community and, and a place where I can, um, yeah. lean on God and, and feel his presence through the people that are here. Father in heaven, on this Independence Day weekend, we're grateful for this incredible declaration that we have heard today of God's forgiveness, the ultimate freedom to be set free from our sins through Jesus Christ. And I pray for one here today who's, who's, who's hearing this message, who's, who's, who's watching online, for them to step over that line of faith like Cody and many before him have done and trust in you today. I pray that they would pray. And if you're listening today and you wanna pray with me, I'd invite you to pray with me right now, something like this. Dear God, Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I know that I've sinned, I know that I've done wrong, but thank you for sending him, for taking my place on the cross. I now trust in you and I accept the forgiveness that you offer and the freedom today. I wanna follow you. I wanna to learn to walk with you. But I love you, Lord, and I thank you today for that freedom. I hope that you prayed that prayer with me today, if you never have before. And if you have trusted in Jesus Christ today, I hope you'll celebrate the great freedom we have in Jesus Christ. God bless you all.